Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. I know about for you, but for me uh, and my family, this, this last half of the summer is a lot packed into it. Um, is it coming up on the screen there? There we go. Okay. We did uh, work in a brief trip, three days out in uh, western North Dakota for some of us, uh, Medora, and doing some sightseeing at Teddy Roosevelt National Park. And... Uh, Let's see. Doesn't want to advance. There's some uh, some of God's creation out there that we enjoyed, and uh, there's my favorite picture from out there. This this uh, woman, as of yesterday, has uh, put up with 33 years with me. Uh, she probably deserves a medal for that, and I'm probably in trouble for showing that picture, but. <laughs> It was worth it. <laughs> After that, uh, I spent part of a week down at our summer institute in Minneapolis. Uh, at our seminary each year holds a, a week there for pastors and lay leaders. And some valuable training there in church leadership and, and care of souls. And uh, good, good to be with brothers in Christ there, learning together and, and sitting under teaching instead of being the one up front. And uh, while I was there, I also had opportunity to do a personal tour of the Student Life Center that's being built on our EFLC school's campus. And that, that's a picture of the campus there, Heritage Hall, and then the two dorms in the back. And then where you see the, the sand volleyball court, that is no longer there. Uh, that's where a building is, is being resurrect or erected at this time. And there's uh, a couple pictures of it. It's uh, exciting to see uh, something that's been a dream for um, our AFLC schools for years uh, becoming reality. And uh, Lord willing, the AFLC conference will be held next year in that building. That, that's uh, looking down into the gymnasium and then up above there. Um, it'll be the mezzanine and, and gathering area. Uh, there's a better picture of that. Uh, came back from the Summer Institute uh, to be part of uh, Trudy Bufink's funeral that Friday, and then last weekend also was uh, Confirmation Day out at, at uh, our Yulin congregation, and so I had the privilege of being there um, to preach and, and uh, lead that service. And, and then this past Monday, now it's not wanting to go again. There we go. Monday through uh, Wednesday was our AFLC annual conference. It got pushed back from its normal June time, and it was out at the Ark in Wisconsin, and surprisingly well attended, uh, considering the uh, COVID restrictions and some other things there. And in your bulletin, there should be a, an insert uh, front and back of a page that, that uh, just gives you an update on, on various ministries of the AFLC uh, as, as was presented in the uh, annual conference reports and uh, invite you to look at that. Don't necessarily read it right now, but uh, yeah, please uh, make use of that as, as uh, it's exciting to hear what God's doing in various aspects of our EFLC. And then uh, 
I also just want to say that while I was at the annual or at the conference here at the ARC, also uh, all the different boards meet, and this was my last board meeting. Uh, I've served now on the uh, board of trustees of the schools for two five-year terms, so my ten years is up, and and I'm retired from that, I guess. Um, but thank you much for the opportunity I've had and, and your supporting of uh, my many trips to the cities and being a part of, of that. It's been just a real blessing to see up front uh, God changing lives and lives of our Bible college and, and seminary students as they prepare for pastorate as well. Um, now this, this week we have uh, extra family around. Sam and Sarah came up from Texas and it's great to have them with us here for a few days and Matthew and Courtney's family are going to be coming up from Nebraska as well, so we're going to have a full house. <laughs> I want to ask you today, have you ever thought about the difference between authority and power? Uh, British writer G.K. Chesterton was, was dining with a literary friend in, in London one day, and, and the conversation turned to the subject of power and authority. And, and at one point, uh, Chesterton remarked this. He said, if a rhinoceros were to enter this restaurant now, there was no denying that he has great power here. But I would be the first to rise and to assure him that he has no authority whatsoever here. Both power and authority are, are words that are used in the Bible and uh, power is, is a New Testament Greek word, dunamis, which uh, we get the word dynamite from. It, it means energetic power or explosive power, demonstrative power. The word authority is this Greek word exousia, and it, it means a, a right or a privilege given to someone by another. And it refers then not to power, but to a position. I want to illustrate that with a couple of pictures from my front yard here in just a bit. Uh, I have some huge, uh, I think they're over 60 feet tall poplar trees in my yard that are dying one after another and having to be removed. And uh, as a homeowner, you see, I have the authority to remove those trees, but I do not have the power to do so. And so, with the help of Fisher Tree Service, uh, who have equipment and thus the power to remove them, they're coming down. And, and, you know, they would be wrong to come into my yard and start cutting these trees down um, if I didn't give them permission to do so first. Um, but I did. And, and so they now then have both the power and the authority to do so. However, they um, don't have either power or authority over the weather. And so the thunderstorms that came along and so on and the two inches of rain we got uh, in Moorhead uh, changed their plans on just when they will finish the job and so that's what it looks like right now. Now I share all that with you to introduce a very familiar passage of scripture and it's commonly known as, as the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a passage that came up more than once at Summer Institute training and also at our AFLC annual conference. And I invite you to look with me at that. And would you stand in reverence to God's word as, as we read? <clears throat> but the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, 
but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Lord God, this is a familiar passage. We've heard it many times, but we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts today, and that we would see Jesus for who he is and the commission that he has given us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard before on this very familiar passage of Scripture. I, I, I know I've preached on it at different times, probably even here. I, I also regularly use it as a basis for teaching when we talk about what the, the reason for the existence of a congregation. Uh, we regularly quote it uh, in a worship service whenever we have a baptism here. I share it in new members' class as well. I, I refer to it repeatedly when I have had the privilege of teaching at a Bible college, this class on principles of congregational life. And yet, as I was sitting recently under the teaching of others, something struck me afresh. And that is the significance of that word authority and the ramifications of it. Jesus, in this passage, spoke about his being given authority. And he also then passed on to us authority to do something. And so here's an outline of, of the message. It'll come up on the screen, I think, in just a bit. Oh, back up one. There you go. That's what we'll be looking at today. I didn't get my stuff together for Annie in time. So it's, <coughs> it's not, not printed in your bulletin. <coughs> Excuse me. The setting in which this took place helps us grasp the authority that Jesus claims here. And remember now, this is at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. It's after his three years in of earthly ministry in which those 11 disciples had observed and participated in. And it's after Jesus' death on the cross and his miraculous resurrection. The setting is a mountain view. Verse 16 says, The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And we don't really know for sure just which mountain in Galilee this would be. I tend to picture it as this one, possibly. Um, Mount Arbel is uh, just overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and that's an area in which Jesus spent so much of his time with his disciples right along the Sea of Galilee. And after the resurrection, the disciples had gone fishing at the Sea of Galilee, and John chapter 21 tells us about that and how he then reinstated Peter after his denials of Christ and Jesus commissioned him there. And when the disciples saw Jesus there on whatever mountain that was in Galilee, we're told that they worshipped him. That is, they now considered him to be on the level of deity. At least most of them. Though the one verse here reminds us that maybe some still had some doubts as they struggled to understand all that had taken place in the last couple of months. I want you to look at this view. And... Uh, as we consider the next words of Jesus here then, it says that he came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now what did Jesus say there? He, he said that authority had been given to him, given to him by God. 
the sovereign God of the universe, the one who is over all things, had, had given to Jesus, this, this teacher that the disciples had followed for those last three years, had given him authority. How much authority? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth. And as you think of this view here then, um, Jesus was, was claiming a position of being in charge of all of that. Everything in the sea and on the land and in the sky and even in the invisible realm of the angels and the demons. Well, let's look further at this one who was claiming all authority. Jesus Christ. Now this wasn't just some crazy claim like some politicians make these days saying they have authority over everything in their, in their state or their area. Authority to tell people in that area then where they can go and what they can do and how they can do it. And they at times then claim authority that it is really beyond what's been granted to them by the constitutions or laws of the land. And they at times then claim authority beyond what they also have the power to enforce. But that's not so with Jesus. These disciples knew this was not some crazy claim of some power-hungry leader. They had seen him do miraculous things, like walk on water on that Sea of Galilee and, and turn water into wine and, and multiply five loaves and two fish to be enough to feed 5,000 people and, and still a a storm on that Sea of Galilee with just his word. They, they'd seen him heal sick people, raise some who were dead to life again, cast out demons from those who were possessed. They, they'd heard him teach spiritual truth so profoundly that he drew large crowds. And, and they'd heard him confront the Jewish religious leaders' hypocrisy at times in, in such a way that it made them so mad that they plotted to kill him, and they actually succeeded in doing so. And yet that even did not end his authority. He had three days later demonstrated power over death as he rose alive again. And now here, after that, then he was saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And they believed him, and they worshipped him. And folks here today, Jesus still has all authority over the forces of nature, including over the thunderclouds and the sun, including over sickness and death, even this COVID-19 virus, over the political and religious realms, and even the invisible spirit realm, and even over heaven and hell. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Well, who was he saying this to and why? The audience there that day was his 11 disciples, the 12 minus the one who had betrayed him and then killed himself. These were the guys that Jesus had invested three years in. They included two sets of brothers who were fishermen and a couple of other small town boys from the near, nearby town of Bethsaida and a tax collector, and then there was a political zealot in the bunch, and three others. They weren't a very impressive lot by any means. And you know, God doesn't need impressive people. He actually prefers humble ones. And that's still true today. And so don't forget that when you at times maybe feel like, well, I'm a nobody of no significance. 
Important people, you see, are probably already too busy with their own agenda to answer God's call and to be commissioned by Jesus. But let's look at that commission that he gave that day. It, it, it was uh, authority of his that was then delegated to others to make more disciples. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who had all authority in heaven and on earth, passed the baton that day. He delegated some of his authority to those 11 that were there, and indirectly to us as well, who call ourselves Christians today. We who have no power in and of ourselves have been given great authority for a specific task, that of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the things that stuck out to me in one of the classes at Summer Institute. One of our instructors there was a Missouri Synod Lutheran pastor. And he's one that has, is now in the position of being in charge of, of all of the southern Minnesota district of the Missouri Synod. And so that meant he was one who was very involved in the discussions with the governor's office um, and, and then the eventual lawsuit that was filed by the Catholic Church and the Missouri Synod Lutherans um, that convinced the governor it was time to open churches again back in May. But Dr. Woodford didn't really spend time at SIT focusing on that at all or on the politics of the pandemic. But he reminded us of what is our first priority as a church. And it is to proclaim the cross, to proclaim the gospel of forgiveness of sin in Jesus Christ. That's what we've been given by Jesus' authority to do. And it is a tremendous privilege and responsibility, and there is no greater calling on earth. And the consequences of us carrying out that mission will be felt in the lives of others here on this earth, and beyond that, for eternity in heaven. And we, we have absolutely no power to bring anybody to become a Christian. No amount of our arguing or arm-twisting is going to accomplish that. But we've been given all that is needed, and how we carry out this mission is summed up here in verse 19 and 20. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and he's saying then, and, and go in the authority that I, Jesus, have delegated to you and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. We've been given the authority to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. Over 2,000 years after his death and resurrection, still that is the mission that goes on, proclaiming the word of God, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is what is able to bring people then to believe in Jesus and become his disciples. There are some guidelines given in this passage on how to make disciples. He mentions baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you see, baptism is a visible reminder of what Jesus does invisibly in the hearts and the lives of those who believe in him as their Savior. He washes their sins away. And so we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we do so, then we are recognizing a mystery, the mystery of the Holy Trinity. And then a second part of making disciples is also spelled out in the text, and that is to teach, to observe everything that Jesus commanded. And so a huge part of what we do as a church is just that. We focus on the gospel accounts of all that Jesus taught. 
We've been given authority to do that. And we go into the world then with a mission. And it's, it's not a plan that we came up with somehow ourselves of how to change the world and how to make it a better place. No, we've been commissioned by one who is above us all, the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. And we can't just decide then to change the message or to back away from the mission. The one who has all authority is the message. And he set the mission. And so we go in his name, seeking to make followers of him by baptizing them and teaching them. And we also do not do this in our own strength, because we really have none. But we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talked about that probably up there on that mountain, as it tells us about in Acts chapter 1, where he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Pastor Randy Nelson is, is a new uh, director of evangelism discipleship in the FLC, and he led some of the prayer uh, focuses each day at our annual conference. And he would share a bit from God's Word, and then we would huddle for prayer and pray together about God's work. And, and part of his focus that he wanted to remind us of us, would you be willing to pray, Lord, lay on me a burden for souls? Do we remember that all around us there are precious eternal souls for whom Christ died? And so, if we remember that, then we go forward as a Christian church under his authority, making disciples of Jesus Christ while we wait for his return. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. This familiar passage Thank you for the reminder there of who you are, Jesus, and the authority that you demonstrated and that you claimed, that you showed even by your amazing rising from the dead. Thank you that you were willing to go to the cross for us and that you proclaimed that there was accomplished forgiveness of sin for all who will believe. And Lord, in some respects, this is such a simple message. And our world so desperately needs to hear it. We get caught up so much in, in politics and challenges of um, personalities and, and of raising money um, and, and all kinds of things, Lord, for, focused on ourselves and this life. But help us to look beyond that to see eternal souls that need Jesus. And, and we pray that you would empower us to proclaim that message here together as we come together, and also as we go our way each week. We pray in Jesus' name, and under his authority, 